0: Live from the Great White North, this is The Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. The Canadian Investor Pod, what's up? Braden Dennis here, joined by Simon Belanger. Simon, we got some exciting news coming out today. Uh, The top of the headlines being Google's antitrust uh trial and this this to me i i have my hot takes but i'm I'm wondering what your first reaction hot off the press was when they you saw that they were going to be convicting google of this
1: yeah i mean they'll uh we'll see if it goes through it still has to go through the courts and uh, i'm not sure exactly if it's gonna turn out well or not for for the federal government the u.s or google um uh, my first reaction was probably going back to microsoft because they had a similar suit uh, in the 1990s i think uh probably early was it 1990s early 2000s but ended up uh you know i think a lot of you know, lawyer fees, court battles, but nothing came out of it all that much for Microsoft. And they're still a dominant business. Um, I think Google will come out. I mean, worst case scenario, in my mind, you know, worst case scenario, they split Google up with YouTube and the other things. But it's probably a good thing in terms of extracting shareholder value. So um, I, I, if I would be, I'm not a Google shareholder, um, but if I would be, I would not be uh, stressing about that whatsoever. What about you?
0: Yeah, bingo. Uh, I got an email today from Todd, one of our listeners, long time listener, great guy. He said, "Should I be worried about this? I love Google stock. I want to buy more. And uh, should I be worried about this?" And to me, this is the Fed flexing that they are taking this stuff seriously, which which is probably good. But I, this one, I don't understand. Right, because. Google has built a superior search engine and dominating the market in terms of search because of that. And that's because they have the best product. If you want to go use DuckDuckGo, whatever it's called, that they claim they protect your privacy, or that you want to go use Bing, go ahead. You're just not going to get the results you want. And I've done various. Uh, examples of this when I'm trying to find regulations in my job I won't find the Ontario regulations on Bing and then you first search them on Google and it's just like why would I ever use another engine when this one provides me Uh, so it's not a monopoly that is uh, built off a bad a criminal nature but it's they built the best artificial intelligence and their market cap has been rewarded for that so uh, it's I, I don't I don't get this one but um, the Fed is, is taking it seriously um, in other news you uh, you were pointing out today that crypto is on fire because PayPal is allowing users to buy and sell crypto on Venmo
1: yeah. Uh yeah exactly so uh well they will be before the end of the year that was the announcement yesterday so they're kind of they're following in square's uh, footstep when it comes to that but obviously PayPal is uh a much bigger player than Square and uh, full disclosure I do own shares of both PayPal and Square um, I think personally it's probably a good move for PayPal in terms of the uh, gain in popularity from cryptocurrency obviously most of their business will also still be from transaction from either debit or credit uh, but it does give uh, I guess more legitimacy to cryptocurrency as a whole so user will be able to buy uh, I believe trade as well and and store a cryptocurrency on PayPal. So um, really interesting. I mean, I also have uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, um, So I'm kind of, it's been some good news all around for me. Uh, Again, I do still believe in Visa and MasterCards. I'm not trying to say ones, you know, all in on one or the other. I think we were talking about that before we started recording. I kind of start like to edge my bets a little bit so my whole like you know war on cash type of thing basket if you'd like does include some cryptocurrency as well but uh no i mean it's a good it definitely brings legitimacy for uh, to the uh, cryptocurrency space um what are your thoughts on that Braden?
0: this happened sooner than i was expecting um here, here's the thing right uh, v- square and venmo would love to be able to collect transaction costs on this so, this is another revenue stream for them and and why wouldn't they if they can pull that lever? But the impacts of it are that you know crypto's pretty legit when the two biggest payment vo- like by sheer volume of person to person moving money, these two players you know having that as an option does bring some legitimacy to cryptocurrency. I mean, I'm still like the boomer who just doesn't get it, but uh, that's okay. Maybe I'm dead wrong. Who knows? Um, But yeah, I'm still very, very much long Visa and MasterCard. But we were talking before this. I mean, when you you are long a position and you don't have the painted out bear case, then you don't really know what you don't know. So the fact that this is actually like on my radar as, you know, cryptocurrency could be quite legit um it's still very early days and if it was to take market share from you know the rails of visa and mastercard that they've built that would be concerning i mean am i rushing to sell shares visa and mastercard no it's the opposite i'm rushing to buy shares so it's something to keep aware of if you don't know the bear case well then you probably don't understand the business so that's that's just uh, something to understand all right. yeah the, go ahead
1: I was just gonna mention one last thing the biggest impact I think for me where it could have is for emerging markets where there's a lot of uh, inflation for certain currencies so I think uh, those we could see a big impact there but um, yeah we'll see what it kind of what happens in the next five 10 15 20 years
0: yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to see how it all unfolds uh, for me it's toss up a coin and then the two too hard to predict, pile. Um, but if you wanted to take a shot on it, I, I mean, go for it. Yeah, for sure. I know. I know you definitely do. All right. So moving on, we want to talk about a couple other things on this show. We got. We're going to talk about the election really quick. Uh, curious to see your take on that, Simon. Are you someone who looks at the election, makes changes to your portfolio? has some sort of anticipation to what you think might happen? Or do you not worry about it at all as a long-term investor at at who's at the helm in terms of uh, the upcoming election?
1: Yeah, I mean, personally, in terms of the uh, the stocks uh, or the companies that I hold, I don't think it will have a big impact. So from my perspective, I really don't worry about it all that much. Uh, having said that, it could have some pretty significant impacts on certain sectors and um, especially in the U.S. So if you own healthcare in the U.S., um, specifically pharmaceutical companies or um, health care insurers, things like that, um, there could definitely be a big impact from the U.S. election. Uh, that could have some, you know, impacts longer term. Um, I would say probably oil and gas as well. There could be um, some impacts for that uh, medium longer term. Everything else, I think, you kind of it's a bit harder to say i would say the other one that's very intriguing and the u.s election could have a big impact and we'll i'll talk about it a bit later on is uh the marijuana and cannabis space that is definitely one of the areas that uh, if you're interested in that space you definitely should be paying attention to the u.s uh election or should i say the uh, shit show that is the u.s election yeah
0: oh god it's uh it's tiring. Um, okay, good point. I, I, I like that you brought up those sectors because they, there are implications. I mean, it's easy to say, ah, oh, whatever, long stocks. But there are, there are some implications. For me, I don't worry about it too much at all. Uh, studies and data long-term have shown very little correlation between who's in charge and the stock market. Because on the short term, we've noticed that the economy and the stock market can be very divorced from each other for long periods of time. And at the end of the day, long term, great companies do well. um, Because of their competitive advantages, because of their long term profitability, because of their growth, good businesses do well. It doesn't matter what's going on politically, uh, good businesses do well. So if you hold good companies, then you don't need to... You know, get stressed about this stuff. Long term, it's all going to be okay. So I, I want to touch on that a little bit. You mentioned cannabis and you've done a little bit of research beforehand of, of a specific company you want to talk about or, or two in the cannabis space. So uh shoot us that info, Simon.
1: Yeah, so I, I wanted to talk about some profitable cannabis companies.
0: <laughs> so. Wait, profitable? Yeah, I know cannabis companies. Those are in the wow. Okay, I know. I'm excited, Simon.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, So there's two plays that I find really interesting. They're not without risk, so obviously there is still risk involved. uh, But there's definitely a lot of interesting things going on for them. So the first one, um, people might be familiar with them, maybe not with the actual name of the company. So it's called Constellation Brand. So the uh, not to be confused
0: with Constellation Software.
1: That is correct. Yes. So the ticker you listed in the U.S. STZ. Um, so Constellation Brand. If you're not familiar with it, you'll probably be familiar with their most iconic brand, which uh, they own Corona beer. Um, so I'm sure, uh, Braden, you're familiar with that.
0: I'm. Let's go with I'm too familiar.
1: Yeah, hey, I'm not it. a big beer drinker, but you know, lime in there, it's uh, it's, pretty it's awesome it it really
0: it really does hit different with the lime. I mean, that's that's good quality stuff.
1: And I don't mind paying a little extra, right, compared to other uh, beer brands, and that's why they've done so well. Uh, They also own several wine labels and liquor brands, although they're not as well-known in Canada for those, Uh, but uh, my understanding is in the U.S. they're quite popular, um, so basically consolation brand that's where they get most of their money from so why is it a cannabis play well they actually um, have a 38 39 percent stake in canopy growth um, so canopy who has been obviously losing money uh, quite a bit as all the other canadian producers but the fact that You have that option of investing in a company that is highly profitable. They also pay a dividend. Um, About, uh, last time I checked, uh, it's about 1.6% in terms of yield. So not too shabby in terms of dividend. Really well covered by cash flow. And, Basically, Canopy is, uh, they're backing Canopy and they're really profitable. They have a good balance sheet. So it's a really nice place to have some exposure on the um, cannabis market without having to worry if the company is going to go bankrupt or not. So, so
0: that's, uh, that, that is nice to be able to sleep at night.
1: Exactly. So just kind of a few things to to look at uh, that I was looking when I was looking at consolation brands. So the growth rates have been really solid over the past 10 years, uh, whether you're looking at cash flow or revenue. Um, when you look at the uh, revenue compound annual uh, growth rate for the past 10 years, it's 9.5%. Free cash flow is 20%. So really solid. Um, the Dividend is covered. I think it's about 50% of free cash flow, so no issues there. It'll be sustainable. Um, Dividend has more than doubled since 2015, although they've kind of kept it uh, stable recently in the past two years, but that's due in part of uh, their investment in canopy growth. Um, They've um, they still hold warrants to actually get um, for canopy growth to have a more than controlling stake into them that they can exercise i don't have the exact prices of them but they do hold warrants for that um, the one interesting thing and we ties back into the u.s election so they that they have a deal in place for an option to acquire acreage holdings uh, which has a big present in the u.s where uh, it's legal in certain states um, the agreement uh, comes into effect if it becomes legalized on the federal level so what I really like about consolation is they have basically a plan when it does become legal in the US whereas if you look at some of the Canadian plays they don't all have that opportunity to grow in the US and because that they have uh, such a you know a understanding of the beverage space um, and The branding and those high margins, I think it's a really interesting pay from that perspective. So like I said, they provide a backstop for canopy growth, um, is profitable and cash flow positive in terms of the pros of investing in them. Solid exposure to the Canadian um, cannabis market. Um, they have plans to expand in the U.S., like I just mentioned, when it does become legal on the federal level. Um, and as a side note, you won't see any companies listed on U.S. exchanges because of that reason. So they can't do it because it's not federally uh, legal, um, even though a lot of states now are having it legal on a, on a state level. Um like I said, provides a well-covered dividend and has experience in operating some really strong brands that have high margin. And I think that's really the most intriguing thing about them because more and more we're seeing in Canada, and you have to imagine it'll be the same in the U.S., where it becomes a commodity. And um, one of the issues with as they're trying to fight the black market, they're just reducing the prices. So their profit margins goes way down. So that's why a lot of those companies have not been as profitable as people were expecting because um, initially their prices were high, but they were seeing that people were not coming away from the black market because they could get the same kind of stuff at a cheaper price. So um, yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting play. Um, some of the risk, uh, well, first of all, they clearly overpaid for Canopy.
0: Yeah, can I um, reinforce that? They were yeah, they they way overpaid, yeah. overpaid for canopy? That was in the height, that was in the peak of the cannabis yeah. craze in public markets.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they clearly overpaid for Canopy, and that's definitely something that you have to keep in mind. Uh, management has made some changes uh, since then. They uh, they did uh, oust the former CEO Bruce uh, Lin- Linton or whatever his name was of Canopy, so they did basically told him to leave. Um, they have uh, people from Constellation Brand on the board now as well. Um, Canopy is still burning cash quite quickly, um, so that's an issue. Although they do have two billion in cash and Cash equivalent on the balance sheet, so they should be okay at least for a year or two in terms of cash. Um, And it's really untread this point how big the uh, edible or you know the marijuana derivative market will be, um, especially in the states. Um, I know if you remember, Braden, people were making these crazy assumptions in Canada early on about like this, the market's going to be this, that, and the other, like you could see numbers ranging from like a few billion dollars to like 20 billion. Basically. I was writing
0: blogs about this in October of 2018 of absolutely out of control assumptions that were being made. Um, not to toot my own horn, but I just completely crystal balled this one of these ins- assumptions being out of control um, and, and, they were they were a complete flop
1: oh yeah exactly and i think and that's a good learning opportunity for people as well when you see these estimates that have such a wide range that should kind of raise red flags for you if you see something from like I maybe exaggerated a bit but from a few billion dollars to you know 10 12 billion I think those are the ranges that uh, the numbers that were being thrown out there and when it's not a legal market how the hell do you know what the market is going to be so um, you're just kind of making guesses and we're seeing right now that those were obviously guesses uh, in hindsight um, not to say that the U.S. will not be a big market it will surely be a big market when it comes legalized. So I think the biggest thing to look at from an election perspective, I don't think it will necessarily be the who becomes the next president, whether Trump still stays there or Biden wins. I think the Senate, if it becomes a Democrat Senate, the Senate uh, will have the power and the votes to legalize marijuana. I think that will have a bigger impact than who is president. I think president is kind of a... It doesn't really matter, to be honest, who wins in terms of legalization. If the Senate um, is a majority Democrat, it'll probably get legalized.
0: Yeah, this is a good point. So speaking of consolation for a second, uh, do you know if this is true? I was speculating. I heard that Corona beer in Q1 was like smashing quarters because everyone had Corona on their mind. And can can you confirm this? I remember seeing a report... That it was just out of control, blow up, uh, blowout quarter for the the Corona brand, in <laughs> Q1. Uh,
1: I really don't know. I thought the I opposite. saw the opposite. Honestly, I thought people, yeah, people were afraid because it
0: was <laughs> called Corona. The beer definitely has the virus. Um, I we're gonna yeah. we got to fact check that later, but that that is that is funny. So, I, I something I wanted to ask you because this is what I'm struggling with a lot when I try to decide which cannabis company is, is the most quality. And when I compare it to the beer market, like Anheuser-Busch and, and Constellation, who sells Corona, when I draw that comparison, it's all about brand. It's all about branding. And there's just no brand loyalty in the cannabis market. You saw it rolled out here in Ontario and they give you the like all warning up and black box type product from the dispensary that has no branding on it. There might be the logo of like Aurora or, or, or one of Canopy's brands on there. But I don't know anyone that has any real brand loyalty to Buying this cannabis at the dispensary and and maybe maybe I just don't know these people but I don't see any brand loyalty and I'm, I'm curious um, and there might need be no right answer for this because the whole industry can't figure it out but where do where do you get away from that right because they've took the packaging into control of government agencies there's just no brand appeal And I struggle to figure out which one comes ahead um, because there's just no moat. And like you said, it's become so commoditized.
1: Yeah, I think um, the flower itself, so those smoking weed, I think you may have a niche market for, you know, really high quality organic weed and people will pay for certain brands that have uh, that I've shown. I think for the most part, people kind of just want the best deal or the highest THC content. I think that's what people will go for. Um Interestingly enough, though, I've had a few of the, uh, drinks that had, uh, cannabis in them and they actually have better branding on the drinks. So you can actually recognize them. They taste different. Um, I already have a few that I like better than the other. And some of them I wouldn't go back cause it just tastes weird. Um, one of them actually we tried tastes like almost like beer, which is interesting. Um, but has no alcohol content. So I think if, uh, To me, the really what will probably be the highest margin, and I could be totally wrong on this. I think uh, the flour will be a losing space overall. Um, Like I said, you may get the niche market for the the really premium stuff, uh, but the branding for the edibles and the drinks. And the oil too, right? You know, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. Edibles, oils, and things like that, I think is where really the money, where the companies that do the best branding will do uh, will do well. I mean, I could be wrong. They could become commoditized as well, but I could see people being more loyal because, you know, there's a taste, right? The The drinks won't taste the same. You like a certain taste. You like what you're getting in terms of buzz, um, in terms of effect, um, and you'll stick with that. Whereas the flour, I mean, I think, it's that'll probably be you know the best value is what people will go towards too
0: okay yeah we're totally aligned there the drinks make sense on branding and i feel like that you know humans are better at detecting what they like via taste versus smoke <laughs> just hot take but uh that's that's got to be there's got to be something to that so you're probably right the flour does become commoditized. And that's just where I struggle um, with investing in this space, but it's it's one of those wait and sees for me. Um, but that's that's a really really good breakdown. So, uh, was there another company you had for us, son?
1: Yeah, I think I'll I'll probably bring it up another time because I know we want to do industrials and not to mm-hmm. go too long. But uh, yeah, as to sum it up, consolation. I think to me, it's a really interesting play to provide you with like a floor so at least you know you know you're you have that backbone beer business that is super profitable you have a dividend and but you have that upside and the expertise of uh you know if it becomes legal in the u.s and that potential of high margin and that new uh edible and drink market in the u.s so they're really well positioned um you know there's a lot of factors that are out of their control. I totally understand that, but it is one that I'm considering just starting a small position to just have a bit more, a bit of exposure to uh, the marijuana and cannabis space that I don't have right now. And it does provide kind of that floor. And to me, it has a decent ceiling as well.
0: Yeah. the, The ceiling is, is incredible. I mean, that's the upside is, is amazing. Um, In regions outside of Canada, like we said, the assumptions that the weed market in Canada being outrageously huge was was quite silly, and we saw that pan out as you know being quite silly. So, but the the ceiling, you know, outside of the borders, is massive, and we were talking about an election, doesn't probably mean much for most of your stocks, but these ones probably means a lot for your stocks.
1: Hey, everyone. You may have guessed it. I'm recording this after the fact. Brayden and I recorded earlier this week. Unfortunately, our discussion about Canadian Industrial Company was... The audio was corrupted so i had to remove that section um and but you don't have to worry we'll be talking about it on next week's episode so i'm sure every one of you was uh you were looking really forward to hearing our discussion on those we'll have to keep you hanging i know we mentioned it earlier in this episode uh but because the quality was just not good it would not have made any sense it just made more sense to remove that portion and we'll do a fresh segment next week. I'm sure it'll be a great discussion and really look forward to discussing that with Braden. Hopefully you enjoy the beginning of the episode. Now we'll get back to the end of our episode for the portion where the audio actually works. Hopefully you enjoy it and looking forward to talk Canadian Industrial with Brayden on next week's episode.
0: I am going to throw in one last segment. I'm bringing it back and Simon doesn't even know that I'm bringing it back. It's time for the tip of the day. We haven't done one in a long time. So I got an idea, uh, listened to another podcast the other day, of how to track your positions. I mean, if you own 20 stocks and each quarterly report comes out, you you see, you know, okay, they beat revenue, they beat that, like, there's so much noise, right? And the stock always moves up or down because of, what it was in relation to Wall Street estimates, which I think is complete trash. Uh, For someone who's not in the industry, I've never understood this. I I don't get why the benchmark is analyst expectations when the core business model usually has nothing to do with if they met uh, earnings estimates. So my recommendation to you, or tip of the day, is think of one to three, no more than three KPIs. I'm going to say KPI, just a metric that you can compare the business to. And if it's, if it's a business that generates lots of free cash and you bought it because of that, track is free cash going up or down and is it meeting your your expectations versus not, okay? And if it's a software company and their whole idea is to get more active users just track active users don't worry about any of the other metrics because the stock will move up and down based on metrics that are not always core to the business if it's a software company and they're trying to grow users track users it'll be at the top of their of their report every single quarter because the business knows it's important to them and that's what you should focus on as well cuz stocks move like a, a yo-yo and over the long term it doesn't matter if you track what's important so that's that's my tip of the day
1: yeah no it's uh, it's a really good tip i f- wish you had given me a heads up <laughs> I'll think about one the next uh, <laughs> next episode but
0: I'll cons- yeah now now you need to think about your next one
1: yeah I mean it's a good it's definitely you know it's a really good thing to do just take Netflix for example there's stock kind of moves with the uh, user subscription increase so um, in terms of uh, of subscriptions that they have so that's probably the one metric you need to play. Uh, Pay closer attention to it if you want to understand the movements a bit more. So uh, that's yeah, that's a really good tip.
0: And it's easy to it's easy to track, right? If you have all your positions in an Excel table, you just have one metric that you're tracking, just one. And if you don't know what that metric should be, like if it doesn't pop out to you right away, you need to reconsider why you own the stock because that will also reinforce your thesis from the start. Is what is the growth story here, right? Like if it's Netflix, it's yeah, it's paid subscriptions. Uh, so that's an obvious one, but something to think about. Really easy to set up. I'm doing this myself with my portfolio right now. Um, that does it for this week, guys. Get stockmarket.com brings you to Stratosphere. All the metrics I'm talking about are on the company search platform. I just added free cash flow that you can graph for every single company today uh the screener I just fixed all these bugs. Thanks for all the, the comments from from the community. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks, bye-bye.
1: The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden RCMO may own securities mention on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions.